0: Everything F1, driven by fans for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! As Verstappen goes into turn one and goes past the Mercedes!
1: Oh! And Hamilton has gone from second in the race! Try again this time on the inside and comes to the touch! Verstappen is out of the race and that's a big crash!
2: Ocon wins the Hungarian Grand Prix! Russell is still on Provisional pole.
0: hello and welcome to the everything f1 podcast with me james tiller and alongside me today from the everything f1 team we do have tom hi tom how are you hello i'm very well thank you busy as always also alongside me today we do have sean hi sean how are you
2: i am very well i am a year self-employed tomorrow
3: or today
0: oh, no. this goes live wow okay that's well successful. done but that's good in the middle
3: of a pandemic as well absolutely brilliant well done. Thank you, Sponge, I appreciate that. No, that is, that is pretty special, to be fair, like, yeah, setting yourself up like that on your own in the middle of a pandemic and making a go of it. Fair play, team. Uh, it's man. been so, so far, so good.
0: Well done. That's great. That's really good. Um, Sponge uh, is also with us today, hasn't been on here for a while, actually, Sponge, have you? Uh, how how are haven't. you, and, and what have you been up to?
3: All good, all good. Uh, bit of a slow start to the year, but I was, I was actually racing last night. I went racing in the minis around Cadwell Park, and I came fourth. Oh wow! So well of course, so in the league Ooh. that I race in. So that was a lot of fun. We were nose to bumper, about seven cars in in a bit of a train. So yeah, had some fun on that.
0: Very nice, very nice indeed. Nose chiller, action packed. Well, I- I'm fine. Uh, I'm very busy at work for some reason uh, at the moment. But uh, other than that, I'm just living life as I can, uh, day by day. Um, nothing really that exciting uh, apart from our new website which has been built. Um, and has gone live uh, which i've been dealing with uh, with the guy that's building that so we're really excited to provide all of our fans with new content uh, on our website uh, and much more content from our website as well so keep your eyes peeled and maybe add that to your favorites um and get notifications because there'll be loads more going on there we are everything f1 you can find us on all, all our social media platforms we're on facebook twitter instagram and youtube Uh, And you can also find us on our website, which is www.everythingf1.com. It's as simple as that. We are also obviously on this podcast itself. So can you please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already, so you get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. So today, we're just going to be going over the news again, because there's been a few things that have dropped this week um, that we thought have been quite interesting uh, and will give us plenty to talk about. So I'm going to go over to Tom first. Tom. Hello. What news article has dropped this week that you want to chat about?
1: So unless you've been living under a rock, you may well have seen that Alan Prost has parted ways with Alpine, where he has been in an advisory role for a number of years now. Um, now, what was interesting was after the announcement from Alpine came out, Prost then put on his Instagram that apparently it was going to be announced together and that um, that there was, there was supposed to be a joint announcement. And it sounds like it might not be such a harmonious or acrimonious split. It sounds like there could be something rumbling under the waters. And I mm. wonder, and here's me sitting here with a grin on my face, stirring the pot, because it's what I love to do. Um, I wonder if a certain Spanish driver may have an L plan in place, and I wonder if Prost leaving might have been part of it.
0: <laughs> you never know. Um, there's certainly other rumblings going around about staff movements, um, so it could be part of a bigger picture. Um, Sean, were you surprised when you saw that news? Yes, very because Al- Alan Prost was obviously a massive, you know, obviously a, a brilliant driver. He must have been had been a great advisor for the team. So it's quite it is quite surprising, isn't
2: it? Hugely important. Um, I know he didn't have exactly the best success with his own team back in the day, um, but he has he has done a lot of good for that team uh, in its various guises over the past couple of years. And if nothing else, whatever he does behind the team, he's just a good you know face for the mm-hmm. team. He is the French Formula One driver. Um, you know, uh, being the, the kind of promotional face, the, the, the media face of the French Formula One team. And they've asked him unceremoniously. Now, I, I'm going to, to, to disagree. I don't think um, Mr. Plan would have had all that much to do with this. I think if there's anyone that Fernando Alonso would want around, it would be Alain Prost. He has long said that he's the one he idolizes, as like where the Hamilton was Senna. Um, so I can't see that it was anything to do with Alonso that they got rid of, uh, Prost. I just think that team is extremely badly managed, uh, from the top down. It always has been, uh, Cyril, the beat bull who had his own issues just vanished one day. <laughs> literally nobody's heard from him
0: since well uh, he has had the tattoo since we have seen that the, with, yeah, uh, he, had with that the, he had
2: the tattoo there. he had the tattoo and i actually heard a rumor today that he might be going to red bull engines but i can't imagine the christian Horner will watch him anywhere near
0: <laughs> his engines ever again i've heard that too and I, yeah. I, it's quite really? a strong rumor actually it's been lingering for a while and you know, and you know what happens when li- things linger they, they usually yeah. become a bit true and it's, so it's not going look, away
1: look at the Perez rumor at the end of 2020 yeah well, they,
2: so a bit bit of a weird one of all the people to take Renault to take <laughs> Red Bull's engines um <laughs> <laughs> but I I think like I have now zero expectations for Alpine Alpine this year I feel a bit bad for Alonso and Ocon who I think as drivers had a rather good season with a pretty average car um hmm. couple of podiums the win for Ocon obviously the the defensive drive but I, I, I have now zero expectations, I think, with this rumor now, to, while we're talking about the, the staff movements that Otmar Zafnäuer is coming in, even though he said he wasn't, and then he definitely, definitely said he wasn't. And then he left uh, Aston, even though he said he wouldn't. And now he's essentially all but confirmed to be an Alpine, even though he said he wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have I have oh, no time I have no time for Atmar Zafnauer. I think he's one of the most infuriating people in the F1 paddock. I, I feel really <laughs> sorry for the wider team of Alpine if that moron is going to be leading them this season. Oh, Sorry, that's a strong word, strong word. Strong, 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 strong take, I know. The, but the, opi- the opinions, opinions of bag.
0: individuals on the podcast are their, are their own and do not represent everything everyone. Uh We'll go over to Sponge uh, to get his opinion on that. Uh, Sponge, uh, Alan Prost first. We'll, we'll talk about Otmar afterwards uh, and you can share your maybe nice or nice opinion or negative opinion about him afterwards. But Alan Prost, I know obviously you're probably... Uh, on the meh kind of side with Alan Prost because you're a Senna fan. So uh, what what were your thoughts when you heard I, the news?
3: I, I mean, listen, uh, as as it goes, I'm not a Prost fan. Shock horror. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the bloke generally, to be perfectly honest with you. I won't. I mean, as I say with everything, I will. I will say before any of this, I respect what the guy's done for the sport. I respect his achievements in the sport, and I, I even respect the way that he went about achieving what he did in the sport. But yeah. I don't like every interview that I see. Obviously, I go in with a you know um, uh, um, a little bit of a tinge of I don't like you anyway. So I kind of <laughs> I, you know I, I listen I, I listen with preconceived ideas and whatever. Maybe I don't give him you know the the, the credit that he deserves or whatever. But I, I'll be honest with you. Maybe this is my naivety and the fact that I don't like the bloke, but I don't really know what he did for Renault. I know he that he was a non-executive
0: I, I, chairman, wasn't he? Exactly. Was
3: nice? Exactly. But uh, I, I mean, I, I think when he had a vague role, let's just say that he mm. had a very vague role. And I think if Zafnauer is to be going there, maybe maybe they've amalgamated two or three roles into one, where they've gone right. We need a little bit of better structure. We need, you know, stop. All these maybe there's power struggles going on there or whatever. I don't know. Um, I agree with Sean. I, I I'm not quite sure about Upmar going there. Uh, I kind of get the feeling. The way that I would summarise the whole thing at the moment is I kind of get the feeling that Alpine are in the position that McLaren were four or five years ago, and they don't really have a rudder to the boat. There's a right, few okay. holes in the in the um, in the of a boat bit as in limbo. well. Exactly, and I think it's going to take a year or two from here for them to do what McLaren did and said, right, look, look, this, this is ridiculous. We're going around in circles. We need someone to come in, like they got Zach Brown in at McLaren. Zach Brown came in. He said, right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of you, get rid of you, get rid of you. We're going to get this guy, this guy, and this guy. They're going to head up their own departments. They'll all report to me. There's your structure. Go and do what we got to do. And look where they are now. Mm-hmm. You know, once you, once you get a little bit of a uh a L plan um and then <laughs> implement it properly, yeah. Then you know once you've got once you've got a clear direction, then that's you know, you, you can start heading forward again. But I do I, I kind of get the impression that Alpine are in that limbo at the moment. Um they they need a little bit of a, a restructure. I'm not quite sure that Otmar is the the answer to that.
0: Okay, so let's talk let's talk about that news then that the Otmar obviously is supposedly coming across. Obviously, he's he left Aston, as uh, Sean did mention. Um, and so he's a free agent, a completely free agent as well, meaning he doesn't have any kind of gardening leave that he has to adhere to. He can go straight into a team and work for them. Um, Alpine are the very likely, likely candidates because they've been rumoured since the middle of last year or late last year, um, when, which was obviously strongly denied, as Sean did mention. Um, but also, along with... Um, the rumour of Ottmar going to Alpine is the rumour of the BWT sponsor that obviously was with, with Aston Martin um, going with him to Alpine. Um, so that's going to be some more money for the Alpine team uh, and, and maybe a pink car for uh, Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso to drive. Uh, we'll go back to Tom then. Um, your thoughts
1: on the otmar Safnau move to Alpine that's looking likely? Oh, it's going to happen, isn't it? Um, you know something that I wanted to pick up on from what Spence said about helping not having structure. Since they got rid of Beatable or or ever since Cyr- Cyril Irritable left at the end of 2020, they didn't have a quote unquote team principal because the role was split across um, Martin Bukowski and um, and I can't even remember who else it was. Um, but they, which <laughs> it, it says a lot. But I think with Otmar. Most likely, let's be fair. He is going there. We're just, it's just we're just waiting for we're just waiting for the announcement. And one day it's going to pop up on social media. We're going to go, oh yeah, another you know news: water is wet. Mm. Um, because let's be fair, he's going there. you all know it. Um, We've got the image ready to be posted. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> That's how confident we are. Yeah, yeah. We're going to look like right mugs if, <laughs> if it says if it says if suddenly like total total hornet uh, Horn, do not. <laughs> God <laughs> alone. There's there's sort of a glitch in the way. matrix. Though, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Toto yeah. Horner yeah, Toto Horna, yeah. yeah, that's the kind of nightmares I've been having. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, um, it it will. I say will because again, yeah. it's going to happen. It'll be a good appointment for Alpine because it'll th- there'll be a definitive character or sort of there'll be a set structure to the team. And I, I know I'm echoing a lot of what Sponge Sponge said. Um, but Otmar does bring with him some some good experience. Uh absolutely.
0: You know, I, I I think he is pretty decent to be fair. He was obviously force India slash racing point. Um, and they yeah. were always outperforming their kind of budgets and their mid-range stature. That's,
1: yeah, and especially with the budget cap that, that's now in effect, you know, you know, um Otmar is used to working in a team that doesn't have the resources and he's used to getting the most out of the money he's got. Mm-hmm. Um now that teams know how much they're allowed to spend, obviously there are a couple of exceptions. You know, I think it's team principal and possibly, drivers. Yeah, drivers had it. So that's obviously you know that's obviously set aside. Um I would I would imagine Otmar is is going to be remunerated rather nicely by um by Alpine. Uh and I wouldn't be surprised if when we see the announcement of of, um, of that the, the, they're sort of going to go down the hole he's going to lead Alpine back to the front because that's what they've been saying since 2016 since they came back. Mm. They've been saying that they want to take the fight to Mercedes and well they haven't. Mm. Mm. Have you got anything else to add, Stone? Um,
2: I think it's interesting um, there's a bunch said that you know they're they're kind of maybe where McLaren were a couple of years ago. I actually think they're they're almost a bit worse off because McLaren almost wedged in a, a straight V. They plummeted to the bottom and have come straight back up again. Mm-hmm. Alpine have, have risen pretty solidly and then kind of stayed there, just fluctuating. Uh, they haven't really dropped off back to the bottom of the of the of the table. They won a race last year, but they're just kind of languishing in the midfield and they've been there for several seasons. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's right, they don't have a, a captain at the helm who's um, I, I thought Bukowski did. It was okay for though. I don't know why necessarily they've gotten rid of him of all mm. people. I think he was potentially going to be their Zach Brown or their Andrea Seidel, but apparently that hasn't worked out for whatever reason. Um, and just the the apparently unceremonious dismissing of Alain Prost suggests that there's something wrong with the wider structure of that team as a business, not even just as a Formula One team. Um. Which again is kind of what
0: happened to McLaren, but they had the the ignominy of ending up ninth in the championship. So are we are we expecting kind of a ninth, tenth place for Alpine this year? If they didn't
2: have Fernando Alonso, I would say yes. I think he will be the the reason they don't finish ninth. Um obviously this is all totally speculative. For all we know, they've found the 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 silver bullet, the the double diffuser that's going to win them the championship this year and Fernando finally get his third. Is that likely? No, but neither was the bronze. So who knows? But well, <laughs> if, if it was if it was the same cars as last year, I I, I would think Fernando will scrape points here and there and everywhere and keep them ahead of the bottom three. And that's it. That's about as much as they could expect. Um, and if if things there's a lot of kind of rumblings that maybe this year won't be in terms of the pecking order, the cars will be a bit racier, but in terms of the pecking order. It'll still be Mercedes and Red Bull clearly at the top with Ferrari and McLaren at their heels and then the midfield being the midfield. And if that's the case, then yeah, Alpine are going to languish there behind probably Aston and uh, who I think will get their act together a bit this year and design their own car. Um and 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 Alpha Tower, who will probably come up with a pretty decent package this year. So yeah, bad times to be an Alpine fan. <laughs> I think we want to that it makes, makes sense.
3: I think there's one thing that needs to kind of be taken into consideration and kind of proportionalized on this as well. I mean, it's not like it, it's not like they haven't got the people in the departments that they need, if that makes sense. So it's like, you know, w- when McLaren kind of started their fall, they had nobody, and then they got Prostromo in, then they got um, Brown in, then they sorted it out, and they, you know, they went from there. I, I don't think. I don't think Alpine have nobody. And obviously this year or you know, this this year's coming car has been under development for a long, long time now. So I don't I don't know whether are coming in, I don't think he's going to have a detrimental effect on this next season. I think this next season is going to be symptomatic of what's been happening for a long time now. So, you know, if 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 things don't work out for them this year, I'm not sure that you can blame it on Zaffnawa if he does go there. I mean, obviously he's not there yet. But Mm. I'm not sure that he's the guy to lead them in that. uh, Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I think you're right. I think like whatever potential shortcomings of the car and equally any brilliance in the car cannot be attributed to Zafnar one way or the other. I think if they win the championship, it's nothing to do with him. And if they finish 10th, it's nothing really to do with him. What I think the problem will be is, like you said, like long-term, don't think he's the right person to lead them. Um, and I think all he's likely to do, again, all speculative, not announced yet, but by all we know by the time the podcast is up, it will have been. Um, we're working with the assumption that it will, because rumors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think all he's going to do is have a negative public effect on the team this year. And we've seen with like Ron Dennis coming back, how much a negative public image can have on the whole team as a, on the wider team as a whole. And I think Zafner has kind of had that effect in Aston, especially last season and um, the 2020 and 2021 seasons, doing nothing but complaining about the rules because oh they targeted us, it's like no they didn't they targeted Mercedes and you copied them, so <laughs> tough. <clears throat> but I uh, yeah I I feel like if, if they have a if they have a poor car this year, it'd just be more excuses, and that's just not good for anyone in Enstone or Viri to have that as their front face, you know.
0: Mm-hmm okay well let's move on from the Prost otmar uh, and alpine kind of stories that have been kind of filling our news feeds for the last couple of days and let's move to something that was well it was quite quite incendiary is it incendiary is that the word uh, it's it was a it was quite a sharp-tongued Zach brown or a sharp penciled Zach brown who who wrote, or Messiah,
3: that is Zach Brown, <laughs> the saviour uh, of Formula One.
0: Go on, we'll go over to Sponge because I think you know quite a bit about the article. Um, I have read the article personally as well. Um, but what, what was it that Zach Brown has said? So
3: he's basically come out and said that the the happenings of the end of the season, let's put it that way, mm. were uh, symptomatic of the way that the sport is being governed. Right. Um. So, yeah, he's basically gone in on the fact that, you know, uh, there are too many teams with money that have too much power, et cetera. Um, he's, he's not happy with the way that the sport is governed. Uh, he needs an overhaul. Um, you know, I think I think there are a number of team principals, owners, et cetera, that have come out and said this along the way. Um, I don't think that... I don't think that many have gone in quite like Zach has this time, though. To be honest with you, it was, I think,
0: it was very kind of firm words. Yeah. It was it was strong, and it was a it was a big yes. statement, wasn't it, for the FIA and Formula One? Yeah,
3: he he definitely hasn't held back. It's probably um, a
0: pantomime, didn't he? But well, that was one of his big it words. It's, it's become yeah. more more of a pantomime. Um, there's two, a two tier system um, that the big teams have got, you know, too much power um, to, over the sport. Yeah. um but it's He's always called been about like the, but... the,
3: the inconsistency of decisions that have been made as well which i think is one thing that um, i think is one thing that's really disrupting formula 1 going forward at the moment yes. um, i think i mean i've made my i've made my feelings clear on the way that drivers race um, i think the way that drivers have been racing and before i go any further this is not just aimed at max this is aimed at a few You know, a few incidents that have happened through the year. Mm -hmm. Um, Charles was one of the the people that was kind of, you know, throwing it from nowhere. Um, Danny Rick's done it for a while. And, you know, I I just think a bit of clarity is needed as to say, either stop it or that's fine. And if they say that's fine, then fine. You've redefined the rules. You've redefined the etiquette of racing. And you just go on from that point. It's as simple as that. If it's good for one, it's good for everyone. And then police it that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, if, if you're going to say, right, yeah, okay, that's fine for Max to lunge from six parlance back. It's a great, you know, it's a great move. Whatever you think, then fine. Then just police it consistently. You know, it's like refereeing in football. If you're going to give a foul for a dive on one player, then give it for a dive on another player. It's as simple as that. That's mm-hmm. all people want. And then you stop all of this toxicity on social media, people arguing with each other from one side or the other. You know, you just get on with it, basically. And I really think that Formula One is absolutely desperate for that clarity right now. And I think Zach is absolutely right to come out and say what he said in the way that he said it as one of the teams that wasn't actually involved in all of this. You know, I think McLaren and Ferrari were battling... You know, most of the way through the season, and I don't recall them having comeings together. I may have missed one, but
1: I think the closest they got to coming together was in um, was in Austin when I think it was either I think it was both Ferrari or no, both McLarens were battling with one of the Ferraris, and Lando went for a bit of a lunge. And but the the point is, it was clean racing. Um, yeah, you know, unlike. And I say this as a Max fan, as someone like this as well. Now, unlike the racing between Max and Lewis this year, and I'm not aiming that at either driver. I'm aiming that at both drivers, predominantly Max.
3: I mean, yeah, I I, I absolutely agree. I I just think, like I say, I'm not, I'm not passing judgment on who's right and who's wrong. All I'm saying is, if the FIA want to define it as okay, define it as okay. That's fine. Just police it that way. Do it
1: consistently.
0: Yeah, be consistent yeah. with penalties. Be consistent with yeah. allowances uh, of manoeuvres, uh, hard racing. Um, if yeah. the rule, if the rule is going to be let them drive, then let them all drive. Um, yeah,
3: but they said that yeah. at the end. That they said that at the start of last season that they wanted to let them drive, so let them drive. So
1: yeah, exactly. And to, to sort of add on to the back end, sorry to sort of take over Sponge. No, um, carry on. Is um, another issue I think we've got in that, and I believe it is something that is going to be talked that has been not oh, rectified isn't the right word, but it is something that has been brought up for twenty twenty two, and it's something that's being addressed is track limits, because some tracks it will be you don't put four wheels over the white line. Some weeks, at some tracks on weekends it'll be uh, at that turn you can go a bit wider, but you don't go, but you don't go past the runoff and then all the rest of it, and it's just this semi sort of ties in and I promise I am getting to a point here. Um, but I'm going off on a special Tom's tangent. Um, that should be a sec- that, mm. that that needs to be a segment, I think, from <laughs> now on. Yeah, we do, yeah. Tom's, <laughs> Tom's tangent, tangent. I like yeah. it. We're gonna That's jingle it? for us. <laughs> it. Yeah. I'll write one. Tom's do do tangent. tangent. Tom's tangent. Um, but um somebody, Can you get last? on with
0: your bloody tangent then, please?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <a> tangent from <laughs> your this tangent. is part of the tangent. <laughs> let, it's, let it's, me tangent in peace it's tangent inception at the moment <laughs> yeah, it's tangent it's inception yeah but but, no, but but it's it's, it's kind of it's just lack of clarity over so many different things that is providing so many issues we have in formula one so it's so such as the track limits such as when when it's when it's racing when it's dangerous driving when it's you know, you know, when it's, you know, I, you know, the UK, we call it driving without due care and attention if it was, if you were to be given a ticket for it. Um, you know, it, it's just drivers need to know, not just going into the weekend, but going into the season before we eat. Where is the first race? I think it's Bahrain. Um, we, the drivers need to know before they even set off for the first race, mm-hmm. before they even land, they need to know that, okay. I cannot put all four wheels past the solid white line. I think that has been That's a booted. that is a new rule that's, that's yeah. come in, yet. The yeah. White, the
0: white the white line is the track limits and if you go over it track times will be deleted. Deleted,
1: yeah. And and, and so so that, that's a good starting point. But we also need we need rigid,
0: rigid rules for everyone else, everything else
1: yeah and i think part of the problem is there are so many rules in the sporting regulations in the technical reg- in everything they begin to contradict each other and that's the that's part of the issue we had in abu dhabi so if if anything the rulebook needs to be not reset but it needs to be looked at again and it needs to be refreshed and simplified because at the moment it seems like a drive uh, sorry not a driver a team or anybody could look through the rulebook and say oh well, they've alleged to have breached that and then another, and then, uh, and then and then the the team or driver who's been accused of that can say, well, actually, according to this rule, we're allowed to do it because because this says it's okay because of this rule, and then you just end up in a, in a sort of massive spiral. And I think those are issues that we saw last year. So there just needs to be more consistency. There needs to be more clarity, and it doesn't need to be so damn convoluted.
0: What's your opinion on this, Sean? Uh, have you did you manage to to read Zach Brown's article, uh, the, the the interview that that you, that we had with him? I, I saw
2: the, the skim notes like the, the, the harsh words like you need stronger governance and pantomime and stuff like that and kind of got the gist of it um, and I completely agree with them to be perfectly honest and yes you have touched on there the, the, the one thing they're, they're bringing in slam dunk new rule white line is the limit on every single corner of every single track why that needs to be brought in and isn't just <laughs> a thing is just beyond me and but I think in itself is is a completely perfect indicator of what is wrong I know it's a small thing but it's it, like it's always been the case of right lads it's Thursday now you can go over the line here 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 and here oh but Mr. Massey we go faster when we go wide at turn 19 and Coda is like fine you can do it there too but not at turn seven don't be naughty I, that's just how it seems to be that's how it, it's oh it's ridiculous so that's one thing um, and I'm glad that they're finally now, whether they're actually going to bloody enforce that or if they're just talking, we'll find out in three weeks, a month. Um, but beyond that, I think, I think Zach Brown is right. Like the teams should not have so much power. Formula One at the end of the day, Bernie Eccleston built it into a business. It is a business. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is in, in layman's terms, like the, the, the teams and the drivers are essentially employees of this business. And We're all employees, and the exception of me, I'm self-employed, I do make the rules, but like I was an employee before, and I didn't go telling the CEO of my car company that I worked for how to run his business. He told Mm -hmm. me what to do, and I implemented what he told me to do. Even if I didn't always agree with it, he set the rules, and I had to agree with it, because I was an employee. Formula One drivers and teams are the same. They should not have power. Toto Wolf and (laughs) Christian Horner should not have a direct line to Michael Massey, and now won't, which is good. Um, I get kind of why they did it. It was a bit of entertainment for the radio messages and it was, Cool early in the season when it didn't really matter. <laughs> um but then it got funny. It got way out of control. <laughs> funny from our point of view, funny from a neutral's point of view, but I could see where like Total Wolf was angry with it. He maybe went a bit overboard and the bows No, Mikey,
1: no Um <laughs>
0: I've seen so I... many great memes about <laughs> that, by the way.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so good.
2: Well, I think th- I think he's he said right, it does need stricter governance. Like the, the, it needs to be right, okay, whoever's in charge. Is in charge. These are the rules, um, and I get Sponge's point. Like it needs to be way more consistent. So like, if if it, if they're in Bahrain, and in fact, it happened last year in Bahrain. Max overtook off the off the circuit because he was pushed a little bit wide by Lewis. They didn't come together, but he overtook off the circuit and he gave the position back. The same thing almost happened. Happened, yeah. Reluctantly, <laughs> but the same thing almost happened in near enough. The same thing happened in Abu Dhabi, and nothing came of it. They mm. said, "Oh no, he he." gave enough of an advantage back so if Max had slowed down a little bit in Bahrain would that have been fine you know that's the inconsistency and it just makes no sense Um, and it's benefit Max, it's benefit Lewis, it's benefited Landau and Charles and it's detrimented all of them equally as well so in that sense you could say oh yeah well they're being fair by being unfair to everyone it's not good for the sport though is it they need to be slam dunk strict on it if you go wide and overtake off the track it's a five second penalty either give the place back immediately mm-hmm. or get a five second penalty on the next lap Easy.
3: The, the, that's these, not difficult to police. Yeah. These are, the, these are the inconsistencies that people have been talking about for a long time now. You've got mm. Max goes and touches another car and everybody's jumping up and down about it. And it's like, oh, my God, he shouldn't have done that. That's that's against the rules. That is, that's that's a slam dunk. Yes. Oh, my God, they, you know, you can't do that. It's like, well, OK, so that's a slam dunk rule. But then it's OK to, to go and in, interpret your own you know, regulations and whatever to 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 suit your your own narrative narrative during a race, you know, and it's like if if you if you create grey areas like the FIA have been doing now for years, if you keep on creating them gray areas, then you will get a situation which has now arisen whereby team principals are employed on a basis of What can we get out of the FIA? What can we get out of that particular incident on that particular race? The amount of times this season, and it cannot be denied, the amount of times this season that something has happened and that particular team principal has been on the radio, like the equivalent of a footballer begging for a penalty because they've been pushed over in the box or something like that. Say, oh, Mm. did you see that? Did you? Mm. And it's like, you know, it's like, stop it. Stop, just stop it now. Just give them a set of rules. Give them a set of regulations. Stop asking them whether they're happy with them regulations. And I've said this 100 times before on this podcast. Stop giving them a set of regulations and asking them whether they agree to them. Turn around to them and say, here's your regulations, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to race in Formula One, you've got to adhere to that. That's the way that you, you go mean- forward. Completely agree.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> my, my worry is that last year they've set quite a few precedents. Uh, and is it going to be difficult to break those now unless they do have uh, a, a full reset of the rules? Um, I know obviously, you, you said that they, they shouldn't do that, Tom, uh, uh, necessarily a full reset. Um, but I, I actually do think maybe rip up the rule book, start again, say like they've did with the like they, like they've done with the car design uh, for this year. Um rip up the rule book and say these are the rules that we're going to do ignore precedents that are set previously because that's that that's that's gone now uh we're by this new rule book this is what you can do with white lines uh and how how far off the track you're allowed or not allowed to go uh before you incur a penalty this is how, how we we're going to drive now so one you know one minute one maneuver um as it, one defensive maneuver and then that, that's it if, if you push a car wide you're going to get penalties blah 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 you know all the different things but a new rule set so, so you can ignore the precedents that have been set uh, last year which uh, every weekend we were getting a new one oh is, is that now the rule is that now being allowed is that not allowed now is, are you going to get a penalty for this are you not going to get a penalty for that it's, it was really confusing by the end of it, it, it just as a fan uh, let alone the teams and drivers that were uh, on the receiving end of penalties and then praise for pretty much the same move uh, from weekend to weekend so I do think uh, they should rip up the rule book. I think they should say, these are the rules now. Um, Ignore what's happened.
2: I think in terms of like racing, um, I'll disagree with me on this if you want, but like the cars are extremely safe now. Not that no injuries are ever going to happen again, but they will. They're still racing around at 300 kilometers an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, And these new cars are heavier than ever. And we don't know what necessarily effect that might have. But at the end of the day, like Formula 2 drivers race around at 260 kilometers an hour and bash each other like go-karts. <laughs> and for the most part, Belgium 2019 aside, that was a total freak. But they, like, they have crashes all the time and they're all right. Like the racing is much more fierce. I get that the cars are much cheaper. And I I, I get that you can't just have Formula 1 drivers bumper carring around. Mm. So <laughs> that'd be fun. Um <laughs> because just literally the teams wouldn't have it because the, the the cars are so expensive and there's a budget cap now. But even still, I think there needs to be almost fewer regulations in terms of what is and isn't allowed in racing. If you're miles behind, doesn't matter what drive you are, if you're Lewis, Max, Danny, anyone, if you're six car lengths behind and you go for a dive, yeah, go for it. If you pull it off, you're a hero. If you, if you don't pull it off you know, tough shit, (laughs) you go to the the sin bin. Mm. But like, I kind of said this at the end of last year, like when Danny Rick does it and pulls it off, it's the best thing since sliced bread and he's an amazing driver and he sends it. Like that move in China against Bottas was from a mile back and he pulled it off. (laughs) Um, Would he have pulled it off against Lewis or Max would they have backed out? Possibly not. But the fact is he came from way further back. But then if Max or... Lando or Perez do it, they're all, oh, he shouldn't be coming from so far back. Oh, it's so stupid, oh, it's so dangerous. Uh. And it's only because nobody dislikes Danny Ricardo, I think. Everyone, <laughs> every other driver has their, their like negative fan base. Hmm. Um, but like at the same but we need to encourage this, not discourage it. Like it's those heroic moves that we want to see. And if it doesn't go wrong and someone gets stuffed up in the barrier, not that we want to see another 52G crash, of course we don't. But heavy braking zone overtakes from a mile back, of course we want to see that. Everybody wants to see that. That's what's super exciting, especially in somewhere like Monza. Yeah. Um, we, of course we want to see that. And it, these, these inconsistencies from last year mean that the drivers, and they've said it themselves, are going into each race weekend going, I don't know if I can make an overtake here. And they end up in the car going, I could overtake him, no problem whatsoever. I'm fresher tires and I'm better on my brakes. But if he doesn't give me the space, then I'll end up in the barrier and we get no points. And that's not what you want. Formula One drivers are supposed to be massive risk takers. That's the whole point of the sport. And it feels like they're literally being nannied to the point that they can't do anything anymore other than just trundle around. And these cars are supposed to bring them closer together. And yet the regulations are going to force them further apart. Mm -hmm. So I think that the idea of ripping up what came before for the sake of no precedent and rewriting some new stuff, but with, not with more leeway, but being more deliberately open. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I agree with some of what you said. I disagree with other stuff. Uh, but you know, I, I, I kind of understand what you're trying to say, and I, I do completely agree with that last point. You know, make sure the rules are very clear. Mm. Um, and everyone knows exactly what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. Uh, Sponge, do you want to end that? Um, subject with anything uh, before we move on to the next, uh...
3: probably with a suggestion actually, and a bit of a question to our fan base and following. Do you, is there a appetite for a bit of a kind of podcast focused on that discussion in its or on its own? Because I think what Sean is saying there, again, like yourself, I think I do agree with some of it, but there's there's a lot of it that I strongly strongly disagree with. So it's like you know the whole whole idea of you know somebody lunging into a corner i think yes it's great to see when they get it right but i think there's a lot of things that you know you need to take into consideration what tires are they on a lot of the times when danny you know threw it down the inside he was on a lot fresher tires than you know the the person that he was fighting against Mm -hmm. um you know he took risks don't get me wrong he took absolute risks to do what he did but it was more in the case of I need to get past this car now to optimise my strategy, so I'll take that risk. I'm on better tyres. I know I can brake later. I, I can do this, that, and the other. Again, every move takes two to tango, and I, I think I think that's a whole different discussion on its own as to do you agree? You know, with with people lunging from six or seven car lengths down. I personally don't, but. Again, there are caveats to that. So I, I just wonder whether there's an appetite for a bit of a general discussion on that subject alone.
0: Well, let us know in any comments section uh, if, you, if you'd if you like us to talk more on that subject. Um, the next subject we wanted to talk about is car release, uh, the car release schedule so far. The livery shed, uh, schedule for four of the cars have been released. We're going to get the Aston Martin on the 10th of Feb. We're going to get the McLaren on the 11th of Feb. The Ferrari on the 17th of Feb and the Mercedes on the 18th of Feb. Um, the rest of the cars are yet to, to be announced. Which one of those four are you looking forward to the most? Uh, we'll go over to Tom. Uh,
1: in terms of the livery, I'm looking forward to the McLaren livery. Uh,
0: do you think cause... they're going to use the Golf as, as as an inspiration, or do you think they'll just stick with the, with, the, with the last last couple of years?
1: I really want them to use the Golf livery because that's... Um, that golf livery that they ran in Monaco oh my lord man it was a that, beauty that was absolutely lush that was oh jeez especially seeing Lando on the podium where I was like my boy um, <laughs> but yeah no that um, I would lo- I'd, I'd really like to see that golf livery um full-time in, in McLaren. Whether they will or not, I don't know. It depends um, how
0: much money golf are prepared to provide them, I guess. It's, uh,
1: yeah, and we don't hear about golfers being in the same sort of echelons as... um
0: Petronas to Petro- Mercedes
1: yeah. or, 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 or that kind of thing. So, I don't know. Um, I would like to see it, but I think we will probably just see another evolution of... The orange. Um, the, yeah. the papaya. Yeah, I do like the orange with the blue. I, I do like that contrast. Mm. Um, and I did like the McLaren livery of last year. Um, but I would like to see the golf livery. Now, it's going to be difficult because
0: I, I could ask the same questions to the two other members of our panel today, but I know they'll probably all say they're looking forward to the McLaren as well. Um, so apart from the McLaren, um, do you think we're going to get anything different from the Aston Martin, the Ferrari or the Mercedes team? Uh, Sean?
2: Uh, I would expect something a bit different from the Aston. Um, For one thing, allegedly, as we said, BWT are leaving, Um, so there'll be no No function to squeeze pink into a dark green car because that looked a bit stupid. Uh, But I do reckon it will be a. (laughs) It was the the only bit of color in the car, I suppose. Um, But actually, on that, I do reckon we will get a lighter color green. They've kind of all but confirmed that themselves Mm. um, is that it will, because it looked lovely in pictures and apparently it looked lovely in person. But on TV in the sun, it looked like the Mercedes. Yeah. It looked black and it looked completely nondescript. It could be a test car with no livery on it whatsoever. It was an odd color choice. And their own, the Aston Green, is a lovely light shade of green it should be that so I, I would expect something along the lines of that uh, Mercedes probably be silver again that's my call that's, for that
0: that's the, that's the rumour um, I, I wonder whether they'll because you know obviously they went full black uh, in the 2020 uh, then uh, last year obviously they had the slight kind of tinge of silver at the back that kind of fade into <laughs> silver I wonder whether this year they'll kind of go maybe halfway and they'll have silver for halfway and then they'll maybe have a black nose or a black rear and where silver, silver nose, whichever, uh, and then next year's come. This, this, that's my, that's my thoughts on it. Then mm-hmm. they might, there might be kind of a, a merging of the two uh, this year again.
2: Possibly, um, or it might, it might be like a dark kind of chrome. Oh, a literal that's... a meld of both. That'd be cool. Mm. Um, I, I, I think I... like, I think like, sorry, sorry Tom. I think like symbols oh. aside, and obviously, I'm, I'm, the the way they went about it in show their sport for everything that happened in twenty twenty was really classy. I think. Um, uh-huh. But all of that aside Quite honestly That black Mercedes As much as I kind of dislike Lewis and the team That black Mercedes Has been stunning For the past two oh, years Oh yeah I like way it Way like nicer it. than any silver car They've ever had Thought the silvers were always A bit awful looking To be honest A bit just plain I think the black Was just beautiful And it was a very long time Since we'd had a Good good looking black Formula 1 car
0: um, John Player Special Was that the, the last one? Or did yeah, we have, have we had one in, 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 in the middle of there, that? There was
2: the McLaren 2016 it, the McLaren 2016 was, uh, all right. yes. there was the Haas rip-off of the John Player Special, but I think the John Player Special Lotus was the black uh, Formula 1 car, and Mercedes kind of took that. So I'd like to see them do some sort of meld of it, but I do reckon it would be primarily silver.
3: Okay. I mean, the uh, the Minardi used to be black as well, didn't it? Black, black, yellow, and white, I think uh, it was, yes, for yes. the, of the oh, time, yeah. oh, we've, we've had the black were, and, black and really yellow nice. Renault as
0: well, I suppose. Yeah, the they were
3: really Bumblebee. nice cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, how about you, Sponge? Let's talk about Ferrari. Do you think they're going to keep the the kind of burgundy colour uh, on the back of the car? I think they're going
3: they're going back to kind of two thousand and eight colours, are they? Something like that, quite like scarlet Ferrari kind of thing. Okay. So um, maybe a little bit of black on the bottom. Don't forget as well, we've got a completely new car, so yeah. you know, I mean, don't don't imagine these liveries on last year's car, this is going to be an entirely different car as well. And the other thing is as well, we don't know what they're going to look like. We've got an idea from the FIA's car, but, you know, the teams are going to have seen that car and they're going to be like, well, that ain't happening. (laughs) They're going to have all weird and wonderful stuff on there. So, you know, I think what might, what what we might have seen on renders and stuff like that, you've got to kind of kind of hold it for now. I think that's what's kind of making it so exciting for this off-season is the whole you 've got a completely new car now this isn't just a yeah they're, they're a little bit longer and a little bit wider and the wings now a little bit pointy and they've got better barge boards and whatever this is as big a change as there has ever been in Formula One mm-hmm. you know this is this is this is huge except for the you know the, the power unit kind of side of things but I, I, I do think I I really want to see some old liveries come back you know I mean some of the iconic liveries and you were saying about the golf livery on McLaren. I do think that that would look stunning on these new cars. I think it actually mm. looked better on these new cars than it did on last season's car. Mm. I actually think from a Mercedes point of view, they might look better in white because they looked really nice in that German Grand Prix that they uh, had the white on the I, front I, of the car. I, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think
2: they're going to want to revisit that anytime soon, though. <laughs> Probably uh, not, no. No. Probably not.
3: But, I mean... In answer to your question, I think my I'm looking forward to McLaren the most. And not just because of the Formula One car, because they've actually announced that they're lo- launching all four of their cars yes, they are, at yeah. the yeah, same time, which is going to be really, really exciting. You're going to have an Indy car, a Formula One car, is Extreme E. Extreme And form- Formula E? I think it's the GTE, isn't it? Or the G- oh, yeah, that's it, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, all of them coming at the same time. That means they're all
0: going to look the same in terms of the not obviously they're not going to be the same shape, but they're all going to look the same idea of light delivery the same.
2: I, I think, I think to be honest, the only way that happens is if McLaren sign a full partnership deal, like a title sponsor deal with golf and all of their cars are golf McLarens.
3: Which and, to be to fair, do- that's a, that's a major shout that is in- Sean, to be fair, because <laughs> oh, GT is- golf are major in GT racing.
2: So yeah, you know, that's. I, I I think it'd be good for them to to have a presence in America with the with the IndyCar as well. The McLaren yeah. very clearly wanted to make more of a an overarching brand throughout, because obviously they were kind of just a name. They were the Arrow They were the the, the name on the Arrow team in yeah. Yeah, of IndyCar, they were. and pro- kind of provided the drivers like Pato Award. Um, it was a franchise, like, wasn't it? It was but, like,
3: yeah, we've bought that particular team for that race. We will yeah. you know. It will provide the money for you to race in that with our name on your car.
2: Kind of, yeah. They kind of started dipping their toes in with with, with Fernando and then build a bit more and signed yeah. a more partnered in. But now they, they seem like, especially with this launch, it seems like they are going, this is McLaren, not McLaren Formula yes. One, McLaren everything. So you've got yes. Formula One, IndyCar, we're in Extreme E now, and we've got our GT car. And I think to have all four of them, be golf McLaren cars would be just incredible. And <laughs> joke aside, it's been way too long since McLaren have had a title sponsor. It's Vodafone the it's, yeah. title sponsor. Yeah, yeah. Golf, golf McLaren Mercedes sounds right,
0: doesn't it? Yes, it does. It sounds sounds good to me. I might have to book off the eleventh of February just to uh to to contain my excitement in my own home instead of being yeah, out and I, about I, while I, looking I, at I my have, phone
2: I, I have my I'm sorry I'm out of office email on that day
0: <laughs> yeah. but anyway we're all we're all looking forward to the new cars anyway uh, and the, the, the liveries uh, are just kind of the icing on the cake really um another bit of news that's dropped this week Aston Martin has appointed my crack to uh, be the team principal <laughs>
3: it's a good opening
0: <laughs> i'm sorry folks I, i'm probably not going to be able to say this uh without snickering like a school child uh again the memes have been going crazy about, about his name but he is an ex-bmw uh, motorsport team principal um and he's coming over to aston martin to hopefully steer the ship in the right direction um apart from the connotations of his name tom have you uh, have you kind of heard about Mike Crack much? Uh, you, you, do you think he's going to bring something positive to the team?
1: I hope so. Um, you know, I, I you know, there's 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 obviously an opening there for him. To, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> but... <sighs> <clears throat> Come on, we're we're adults here. Let's. Uh... Are we? It's <laughs> debatable. It'll be interesting to see Aston under some new leadership. Yeah, you because know, because they obviously, when they're under the, the racing point and force India and all the rest of it, as we talked about earlier, they had some real success. And then as Aston, they were a bit garbage last year. Um, so, you know, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully he injects some, you know, perhaps something a bit new into the team. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, Aston wouldn't have appointed him if they didn't know who he was, or if they hadn't done their research. Because Lawrence Stroll, uh, all of his sort of jokes about him being a Bond villain and all the rest of it, he's a clever bloke. He knows what he's doing. There's a reason he's worth as much money as he is. Mm-hmm. So he'll have done his research and he'll have his contacts and he'll know, and, you know, he, he'll know um, what, what he's getting himself into. and... And he's he's going to have sort of he's probably had his eye on on um, on the new team principal. I cannot bring myself to say the name, so I will giggle. Um, Mike, we'll just call him Mike. Yeah, we'll, we'll call him Mike. Um, <laughs> Sounds like we've made that up. I mean, that is (laughs) his name. That is his name. That is his name. To be (laughs) fair, I know that is the guy's name. It's not like we're calling him Dave. (laughs) I I know, but I I know, but what I realised as I was about to say, Lawrence Stroll's probably had his eye on my crack for quite a while. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, but but Stroll probably, you know, I I hope it works out, and I hope that that um that he brings over. so, you know his experience from BMW over, over into F1, um, and just and just see that team on the ascendancy again. Sean, do you know about Mike Crack?
0: Um,
2: only the kind of the headlines. Although one thing I do know about him, obviously, is that he worked with Andreas Seidel at Porsche for what, a year, a year and a half. Um, ah, okay. In LMP1. Um, so do you think
0: do you think um, Lawrence has has done it? Kind of well, obviously, it is strategic. But do you think he's done it because obviously everyone's very complimentary of Seidel? And how well he's done. Maybe he's kind of because because he worked alongside Seidel, maybe he thinks mm. maybe he can bring some of those techniques and, and processes to to Aston.
2: I don't know. It wouldn't be like Aston, a racing point, to copy someone else's homework.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: but stabs at them aside. Uh, I genuinely think it's a very clever move because I think if there's one thing Andrea Seidel has brought to McLaren, it is the just the man management intelligence structure of an LMP one team like they're mm-hmm. racing 12 12 6 12 24 hours at a time you need to have some level of managerial skill and just people' skill mm-hmm. as well as technical know-how to, to manage that and uh, Andrea Seidel has proved that that those that skill set really translates extraordinarily well into the kind of loose, of Formula One by stark comparison to like especially LMP1 racing, uh, which is very rigid because it has to be, it has to be so meticulous. Formula One, obviously they're meticulous, but they're all a bit looser because they only have to do it for an hour and a half once a week. Um, and I think Seidel's done an extremely good job. I think um having having the new guy come into Aston is a bit of a stroke of genius from uh Lawrence Stroll. And I think genuinely, I was I've been obviously. Less than complimentary about them for the past two seasons. But quite honestly, I think a lot of things that Lawrence Stroll is doing for that team for this season in particular are very, very clever. They've obviously got that huge new factory being built at the moment, which shows mm. his commitment to the sport long term. Obviously, he brought Aston Martin back, which is a huge commitment to the sport. But now he's looking a lot more intelligent. He's just he doesn't just want to be the guy who's there so his son can keep driving the car. Um, I, I think quite genuinely If Lance has a bad season Lawrence will let him go I think he is so Seriously committed To Formula 1 now That if Lance Is the one that's holding The team back He'll be let go I firmly mm. believe that Yeah I don't think he will I actually think Lance Stroll More deserves the space In Formula 1 I've said that a couple of times mm. uh, But I think this is a very clever Appointment by Aston um, Obviously It's not going to have Too much impact on This season Because the car is Pretty much already built um, But Yeah um, I think it's a good for the future, especially with the new uh, factory and everything like that. I think Seb's going to work. I think Seb's going to like having the, shall we say, German sensibilities at Mm -hmm. the top rather than the idiot that was Safnauer. Um, (laughs) Strong words again. Strong words again. That's how (laughs) you really feel, Sean. (laughs) I I can't. This is supposed to be a family show. (laughs) Um, but you're you're but,
0: hoping you're hoping anyway. It leads to the future of Aston Martin coming from the rear uh, of the grid to very, the front,
2: very much so. And I I would love to see Sebastian Vettel. I I'd love to hear Crofty scream. Sebastian Vettel is the five-time Formula One world champion. I think with this guy now leading things, it's possible maybe
0: next year. Okay. Uh, do you want to have anything? Uh, do you want to say anything on the matter, Sponge? Uh, no. The only thing that I would add that I
3: think um, needs to be kind of referenced as well. I think Sean touched on it is uh, with Seidel and now uh, Mike coming over to Formula One. I think one big advantage that they've they've had coming from WEC as they have is that they're, they're focused on cost capping. I know there was no official cost capping WEC, but they had um, balance of performance in there. So the teams had to get quite smart on what to spend where and how mm. to spend their money. And I think... Seidel and Mike made the right decisions at the right time, and I think that's definitely going to be one of the things that really do, you know, convert over to Formula One now. And I think that's one of the reasons why Seidel's put McLaren in such a good position now. You know, he's got the ship in order and he's he's sorted everything out, ready for the official cost caps to come in, for them to be in a strong position. So I, I do think that's that's one of the biggest things that, that you know that Aston are going to benefit from they've always been um, kind of a heavily restricted thing budget wise but they've always over outperformed themselves so I think having somebody come in with that organization and the the know-how and the understanding of how to work you know within some sort of a budget cap will will only benefit them so yeah um, I, I do think I don't know much about him to be honest with you not as much as I did about Seidel, but I do think the pedigree of him coming over from WEC is, is something that's quite exciting, to be honest with you, to see how it, how it all works out for him. So, I think
2: that's a really good point. Sorry, Taylor. I think that's a really good point. And also just to kind of build on that, like if there's one team who are masters of their budget, it is Aston Racing points yeah. of Force India. They've always had no budget and competed right up the top of the midfield every single year. Um, without anyone really known for their expertise of doing that, except maybe the, the Kingpin, Kingfisher guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I, think that, I think that'll help them settle in quite well. I think it'll be a big benefit to them when they already have a good idea of how to do it, and now they have someone who has probably really good
3: experience with it anyway. Do you think there's a worry that might go the other way, though, Sean? you think it's um, like, oh, we've, we've never had money before. Here's a load of money. Now, what do we do with it? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll buy these unnecessary parts and then let's let's do that and let's see how what, that works. It's like, oh, crap, that didn't work. Uh,
2: yeah, I suppose that, that's one way to put it. Um, I think what it will allow them to do is, because obviously the, the, the cost cap doesn't apply to the top three team members and the drivers. So, one, it's going to keep them employing Sebastian Vettel for a couple more years if he's willing to stay around, because he can't be cheap. Um, but two, like if they can't spend any more money, they can't just blow it all away on the car anymore, uh, even though they now have the money to do it, they could employ anyone. So a a big-name driver uh, who's yeah. looking for a, a seat, another Sebastian Vettel.
0: Let's t- let's move on now. We've, there's only one other thing that I want to chat about. Um, it was uh, Nico Hülkenberg has been in the Sims uh, driving this year's cars, and Unfortunately, he said, and I don't know how, we don't, we've got to take this with a, a pinch of salt um, because obviously he's, there's no way of him going to be able to tell for sure that this is the case, but he said that the, ro- that, that the racing won't be as close uh, as we're expecting or as that we're wanting and overtaking won't be as easy. And that's exactly what the opposite of what we wanted with the new cars. Um, as we say, it's with Nika Hülkenberg and it's only been in a sim, so it's not even a current driver on the grid, but I mean, he's he had been Formula One driving for many years. Um, are we surprised?
3: <laughs> hey. Are we in any way surprised?
0: It, 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 surprised at what? That 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 that. Well, what... said this, or, or that or that we're not going to get any overtaking? No, 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 I'm, I'm not surprised that Hawkenberg
3: said it at all. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm I've been waiting for the first sim driver to come out and say these cars are not as good as they're being made out to be. However. There's there's a couple of points that we made earlier on in this podcast. One is that teams get to dictate their own rules and Mm -hmm. all of these regulations are massively watered down as to what the FIA originally put on the table. Mm -hmm. So that's a massive, a massive thing. And the other one is we've not seen any of the cars yet. So we don't actually know what these cars look like and we don't actually know what's on these cars. So it could be that the car that uh, Hulkenberg was driving they've gone down the completely wrong route and they've, you know, they've, they've made a car. <laughs> that could be the, <laughs> that, that could legitimately be a reason as to why he doesn't like it. Mm. You know, you might get a sim racer come out from Aston Martin and say, good grief, this is the quickest car I've ever driven. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it all depends, doesn't it? it, it we, there's so much that we don't know that I don't think we can give an honest, oh mate, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Or, actually, you know, he's, he's got a point here. We've literally just got to wait. I think mm-hmm. that's a good point because
2: no matter how good their simulators are, and obviously they're the best simulators in the world, how can you simulate something that doesn't exist?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: exactly. As, as good as they could possibly be, they cannot simulate accurately something that doesn't exist. They can barely even simulate the ones that do exist. Because yeah. you always hear, oh, we had a bit of a, a disconnect between what we simulated. The simulator told us we'd get X, but we only got Z. Mm. Like, yeah, it's not the real thing. I also think
1: Hulkenberg is being a bit sour because he hasn't got a job. Let's <laughs> not yeah, I I mean, not not being funny, right? Nico Hulkenberg said this. Yeah, okay. It was cool to see him back in 2020 because Perez got the Rona and all that. But Hulkenberg was a big gash and he didn't even get a podium. And he started on pole one race, right? so take mm. it with Prince of Salt.
0: I think that's all we can talk about that at this moment in time. Um let's hope, let's hope that it's just uh, a miscalculation from Nico uh, and and maybe the sim is just not up to it uh, and we get some great racing and that's what we're all hoping for anyway. Um so that uh, that's that's pretty much all the topics that we've got to talk about. Uh unless there's anything else anyone wants to say? Anyone? I don't think so. No. Hmm. Okay. Um Dan
2: Fallows is going to join Aston Martin in April.
0: has that just dropped?
2: Uh yep, yeah, on f1.com. Um because oh, there was the,
0: the that was the that was the Red Bull was with Taking him to court over that. So is it confirmed now that he's is? When's it going to go? Uh,
2: April. The two Formula One teams reached an agreement regarding his notice period. Um. So again, yep. More just uh, evidence of Lawrence Stroll and Aston's serious commitment to their long-term life in Formula One. So,
0: so he's uh, basically paid, paid a, a big lump sum of money to to Red Bull to keep them happy. Basically.
2: So, so that's exactly much, what he's yeah. doing. What he's doing with all the money he can't spend <laughs> on the car. <laughs>
0: Oh well I'll just I'll give them a few million, that'll keep them quiet. Wow. Well seems it to it seems works. to have worked. That's all we're going to talk about today in terms of the news. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed our chat. I've actually really enjoyed it. And uh, there's been a few funny moments that I'm going to keep in there um, so you can hear a, a, a bit of banter uh, on the podcast as well. As, as as we mentioned before, we are Everything F1. and You can find us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find us on our shiny new website, www.everythingf1.com. And, of course, hit that subscribe button on the podcast itself so you can get all of our latest Podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Now, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening today, and thank you for my team for joining me. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sponge. Thanks,
1: guys. Adios. God bless you.
0: Uh, we will be back with you next week uh, with another great podcast. That's that's everything, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye bye. Bye.